I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Shameless Sex. This episode is on anal. Guess what? This is one of the top uh, uh, requested, I guess requested wrong, with searched keyword on our website, Ooh, shamelesssex.com, yeah. is anal. And our other anal episode that we have, one of them is defective, one of our early ones, but our most recent anal oh, episode yeah. is one of the top listened to episodes. Y'all really that are curious about anal. still defective? I can't fix it. I can't, oh. it's, I've tried to upload it, the old episode that I still have on my external hard drive and it's, there's something there. I, I, I probably can't probably need to like delete the whole thing or something, but, um, yeah, I haven't fixed that one yet. That's why we did, we redid one and we did another one, but yeah. now we have Charlie Glickman And Charlie on. is an expert. I mean, oh, he knows the he's ass. written books. He's the ultimate guide to prostate. Uh, pleasure. Yes, and we recorded yeah. an episode on prostate play with him yeah. previous, like what is it, a year and a half ago or something now? Mm-hmm. Seems like long time ago. Yeah. So we're getting into the uh, now. In other news, Chip, guess what? Uh, well, you're single. Yeah, you already knew that. But I went on a date. <laughs> so you did text me this yesterday, and you but wanted I was like, to I save won't it tell for you the air. Any details until we're on. <laughs> Which yeah. I'm really curious. That was your first date in quite a while. I mean, outside of well, uh, I, being in a relationship. I mean, in my 5.5 years of my recent relationship, we did break up 2.5 times, now 3.5 times. So it's not to say that I haven't dated in this 5.5 year relationship because I definitely have uh, uh, dated in this 5.5 year relationship. Right. But it is my first date with someone new in years. Right. In at least over two And you two were in years. Minneapolis. I was in Minneapolis. Okay. On a business trip. So I was on a business trip. I was there for two nights. I went there to go on Evine again. Uh, it's live TV for Uberlube, actually. It's like home shopping. Yeah. They have the cool thing, Evine After Dark, where they're actually and they're incorporating sex ed into it. It's awesome. It's really cool. I think I'm going to be on there soon with Hot Octopus. You can be on together. Stay tuned. <laughs> so I went there and usually only go for one night because um, I can. I just go in there and go on TV and then I go home the next day. But this time I was there for two nights. Uh, not so I could go on a date specifically so I could visit stores the next day. And so what I decided I would do is I put Tinder on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, snappo. So I've gone on a total of, in my entire life, three dates. I went three dates from Why Tinder? Online. Why not Bumble or some of the other ones? So, okay, like I was saying, I've gone on three dates from, this is my third date from apps. And I've gone on them in the last, what's well, only been in the last, within the last six years. My first Tinder date, you were married and you were on there, uh, like, I found Tindering him. and you, you kept hitting it, like, it's a man. 
match. And then the person that she, one of the people that you found, I actually went on a date with and had one of my top three favorite dates was with that person. Yeah. Um, and there was actually a really deep connection there that I, um, I still, I have regrets. You had some, you had some car play with yes. him? Yes. Yes. Well, so I did with this. Oh, <laughs> there. We are a business trip, man. That's all you got is a rental car. So, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I have some regrets about the first one about letting that one go. Um, but then I went on another one a couple of years ago that was Bumble related and it did not go well. It was like within the first two minutes of actually meeting the person I could tell. Was that the hike one that you went? Yeah. You had a I don't recommend voice? going on like a four hour hike with someone when you haven't already like gauged yeah. if the energy matches and nothing against this person, but our energy was, I was like, Ooh, we are not aligned and we were stuck together for four hours. I think he felt the same thing too. I just let my freak flag fly and just shared every part of me and like anybody was like oh, I have this weird brash right now you want to see <laughs> and at the end when he dropped me off he's like okay bye and I was like oh cool we didn't even ask to, like come in or hang out this is great um, but so this is my third time and it was awesome so I'm two for three most I can't I think most people's experience with online dating or with the app dating is not that <laughs> it's a lot of awkward connections yeah. lack of connections um and so this person, I, I, what I decided was I was going to really follow my intuition. So we had only messaged for, you know, 24 hours, but only a couple messages. But I could tell through their messages that they were really intelligent and that there was like this, I don't know, this kindness there. And I just had this gut in, in, instinct, like there's, there's something good there. Mm. And I trusted that. And if I would have really listened to my intuition with that one that didn't go well, my intuition would have told me that it wasn't there, but I think I was just in a less empowered place then. So anyways, I decided, all right, I would. He Originally, he invited me to go kayaking in the day, but I had to visit stores all day, so I couldn't go. Um, and plus, I was like... That's so Minnesotan, by the way. You want to go kayaking? <laughs> you want to go on Lake Minnetonka? <laughs> April lived in Minnesota. I did. I'm a, I'm a golden gopher, don't you know? Yeah. So we... Uh, so I, but we decided that we would go get a, a drink and uh, met up and... Um, it, we have like these, these interesting overlaps, like parallels in our lives. I was able to share all of my weird Amy shit, which is you all get to hear on here, but like all of my beliefs around uh, how I love talking about like childhood wounding and how uh, you know all people are inherently good in my eyes, except for they receive a whole bunch of trauma and then they become these angry souls. And like, we were talking all about this and he's on the same page and, and you know, and, and he said that his motto in life is, um, something like follow your bliss and just breathe. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and I was talking about how it hurts my heart when I, when I see people drinking out of plastic water bottles and he was just all these things and uh, these, these overlaps and he's um, interested in Tantra and, and just really, um, you know, open and progressive and held this amazing presence mm. the whole time and he said that's kind of his thing actually is that he's just like he's super present sometimes it's yeah his downfall because he like forgets appointments and things but he, we were just you know they are looking each other in the eyes and as we were talking for like four hours wow and um yeah it was it was it was we were both surprised i think we we're both like well it, this this feels really good and i felt super safe and really seen and surprised and um, and then I, you know, I had to leave on a plane the next morning and he had drove 20 minutes to meet me in Minneapolis from St. Paul. And I oh. drove 20 minutes from the other side from Eden Prairie to meet. So it's not like we had a place to go, nor would I want to go home. I'm not, I'm not right. really wanting to go home with people right now. I'm like taking it really slow. 
So I was like, do you want to sit in my rental car? <laughs> so we went and sat in my rental car and made out in the rental car in the back seat. And, and it was like, did you guys make a hot? consecutive decision to go in the back seat? It's then there's not all these weird like so you didn't like drive somewhere no 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 we were you just like parked. just got it, into where my the car park. was oh. parked we went into the back seat okay. and then we and this is and we would we would make out and then just completely stop and like look at each other in the eyes for like a couple minutes without saying anything Ooh. and I realized I said this to him I was able to say everything you know there's nothing I was like wow, I feel so, I don't really even know you. I'm getting to know you, but I feel more safe with you than uh, that I did actually in a lot of my, with my relationship with my last partner because with my last partner, there's a lot of this, because I said what I feel like is I can just be me and I don't need to wear any masks here. Right. That, and and I feel like you're not wearing any masks too, the, that this is authentically you here and I'm feeling like it's really safe to be authentically me and that mm-hmm. I don't need to prove myself to you and um, ver- for various reasons that did come up in my past relationship, not all the time, but it, there was some fear there that I had that I just felt with this new person and their way of being so sweet and present. They're such a kind person. Like I'm super into kindness right now. Um, so anyways, that's a long story. So you but guys didn't bang it out. Certainly not. He didn't even. <laughs> I didn't, he didn't even try to get in my pants. Oh. He when he put a hand on the back, my lower back, like under my shirt a little bit, he stopped and said, "Is this okay?" Ooh, and I was like, "Checking in." Thank you for fucking whoa, asking that. Like, how often do people actually start touching our bodies these days and ask that, which they totally that can should. make your pussy wet. Yeah, my pussy was like, "Oh, maybe I will let you." And I'm like, "No, no, no, pussy, we're not doing that." <laughs> and you go once a month to Minneapolis. I do all and and hopefully that still happens. He um he's not always in Minneapolis, but if he is, I would love to. And like we both kind of agree that we would love to still spend time together. So what does he do for a living? Um, he is he he does a couple things. I'm going to forget going to for perfectly forget exactly what it is, but is homeopathic medicine. Oh, um, and he sees clients, so he's some sort of I don't can't remember like his title of what like he's he does a naturopath of some sort. Uh, I guess homeopath. Homeopath. Yeah. And then he also is part of a nonprofit that's in Colorado. That's great. So, yeah. Good for him. He is environmentalist. All the things. So anyways, uh, I don't talk too much about me and my endeavors, but I think a lot of the single folks listening, uh, I did, we did hear when you and I, when we started this podcast, we were both single. You were yeah. a divorcee. And then we both, I got back together, my partner and you got in a relationship and we had some single people be like, we miss you guys being single. So. Well, I know you had hooked up back with your ex, now ex um, partner, I mean, pretty much right away after we started. It's actually recording. even before we had already recorded. Oh, but that's we right. hadn't released yet. Yes, and then I started. Yes, when we, I think it was the final on episode, our, our fifth episode that we released. Yes. you started. Your that's when I started my, in my relationship start with my current the Caribbean. Yeah. yeah, which I'm going back. We're gonna reminisce in the Caribbean. Yeah, your yeah, an- anniversary. Two years, almost two years later. Ooh, yeah. It so feels you look- like way longer, by the way. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't think it's either. I don't, or, or I don't I, know. I, think it, I don't think, I, I think it could be both depending on my, where you're, yeah. Where my head's at with it. I, I was just, I mean, you might feel, just feel driving really with him yesterday or the day before. And I was like, we're going to be together two years. And he kind of looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, it feels like way longer. <laughs> well, I think that could speak to everything that you've done together. Yes. Speak to safety and feeling so comfortable. Like you're, you know, my partner and my family now. So 
yeah, I, I think I think for the most part, it sounds like it's a good thing, right? I mean, unless you're like, I, it's been so long, I'm bored. <laughs> definitely not that. I feel I feel as though I know him better than I've known a lot of partners only after two years. Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely doesn't feel like I'm in that new honeymoon phase by any means. No. Not at all. Yeah. It's very real. So I don't know. It's interesting. And that's what some people say that have been together 20 years. Like, you're still in your honeymoon phase. I feel like the honeymoon phase lasted about eight months with us. <laughs> I think typically honeymoon phase is n- not more. If I mean, if you're lucky, it's over, maybe over a year. But it depends on how fast you're moving. Yeah. If you move in together right away, if you spend every single second together, those things all affect a honeymoon phase. Totally. Unless you're people like Chris and Lisa who came on our podcast who are... You know, on their second marriage, they're to get their each other's second marriage, and they have sacred intimacy nights every week, and and they're married and madly in love, and they are forever in their honeymoon phase because they do a lot of work around yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah, they're also kind of financially set and doing a lot of things that I feel like makes them able to enjoy. I'm not. I'm like, uh, you know, on my hustle and like, I gotta yeah. work. I gotta go. I gotta. And so, and it, they're it, both pretty embodied people. Yeah, that too. I think that makes a big difference. Is, is setting the time to be intimate with your partners, even when you're busy and on the go. Yeah, and being embodied so that you can drop in and not be in your head and be super occupied. I feel like you know, just to be totally vulnerable and transparent, finances do affect my my worthiness. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that I'm working on where I'm like, I feel so sort of, I don't know, uh, not within my own embodied self where I can be the fun loving April that is super stoked when I'm financially feeling stressed, stressed it's out. Stress, yeah. yeah. And, that's, well, and that applies to any stress that you yeah. have in your life. You have stress about your loved one dying or you have stress about yeah. work or you have stress about a relationship with a friend that's not going well. It's going to affect your sex life. Totally. And and maybe you can do work around leaving the baggage out before you walk into the bedroom door, but it's work, right? So maybe that's possible. Maybe that's not available when yeah. you're super stressed. I just realized that where I'm like, damn it. Yeah, they're all connected. Yeah. I understand that. Um, so tell our listeners really quickly before I go into sex question that I have um, about this margins wine thing that we only have. You only have oh, four days. Four days. So this is this is obviously the last week of May when uh, we're releasing this episode. Memorial Day week. Uh, so for only three days. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And so the 31st, through the 31st, if you're not on margins wine, uh, the newsletter, which is just an email sign up, go to marginswine.com to sign up. Those folks that are signed up on the email list, get first access to her summer released wines, which they very sell limited. out every time it's going to sell out. Yeah. And she just sent me a message saying, Hey, I know it's last minute, but the people that are on the email list get all access to this summer release. We're going to run out. It's for one week only. So until May 31st, those folks, yes, will get access. So marginswine.com. There's no discount code right now. She doesn't have to give one because her wines are reasonably priced. They're super yummy. See why we love them so much. Go get yourself a bottle. Selling out. Uh, And, oh, but so because it's also the end of May, so we did our self-pleasure challenge this month. Um, A lot of you that are listening are part of it. It's on Instagram. I was a failure at it. Well, okay. This is the thing. 
you did it sometimes. I did it like a quarter of the time. So I won't call you a failure because you probably learned some things. I did learn some things. I also did do the vulva mapping, which I thought was a really big opening to it, which yeah. was right in the middle. Yeah. So that helped me with some self-discovery and helped me kind of with the remediation part of where I had that. Like inflammation and pain and yes. how, to, how to heal that part of you with your own touch. Exactly. What, um, and so what is some of the, with your own, like are there any key points with your own self-practice, your own self-pleasure practice that you've learned? For sure. I realized that uh, non-goal oriented touch for me is really difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going for the I also realize that I really like hard and fast like you know like that like hard and fast like mom's coming I better hurry <laughs> um kind even of though touch. Mom's not coming even though mom's not coming and um it's really hard for me just to use hands yeah um I'm I am accustomed to using the vibrator but even uh the vulva mapper who we know as Dolly uh she told me that I need to kind of stray away from using vibrators as much. So mm. I am working on that. So that those I think are, are my biggest takeaways mm-hmm. from this challenge. And the stray away from using vibrators as much as because you're accustomed to, to feeling like you need them to have an orgasm or that every time you self-pleasure, you kind of reach for it and you're not just connecting with your own body or... All of those, yeah. those are all pieces of that puzzle. I think that um, from a standpoint of the vulva mapping, it was so I can actually get in touch with where my pleasure zones are, my erogenous zones, and learn about those so I can communicate those better instead of just relying on the vibrator, mm. which is sort of what I do. Uh, because I because I use vibrators and specifically the surface areas larger, I don't exactly know where I love to be. Is it my, is it the yeah. head? Is it more the shaft, which when she was um, actually going through clitoris. her motions, yeah. she was saying that the shaft for me is pretty erogenous. So yeah, yeah. Uh, those are, those are the reasons. What about you? Sense. Cause I, you did about half the time. Right? I've done. Yeah. So I did, I, I'm not going to call it a failure, but I did. So in this month, I've done, uh, what is it, three different vulva mapping sessions, one with Dolly and two with River, which we've talked about, Rivers in the Bay Area, Dolly's in LA, Um, both wonderful. And and, uh, and then I've done my own self-practice, but it's, it has been hard, like when I went to, you know, Death Valley for a week, that was pretty hard to incorporate there because I'm essentially kind of camping in a truck and, um, and I, but I still did, I still did uh, one day a self-pleasure challenge practice but anyways there it was just with my everyday life I did see my own and my own blocks too I have to admit there were times when I did have time and I saw my own stuff get in the way of like I'll just do it later and then I want to do it later so this is what I discovered my most effective time to dedicate to me for self-care for central self-care is in the morning yeah and it's right after my meditation so I sit and I meditate for 10 to 15 minutes and then I go right into my sensual self-care with no goals and what I do is I put on my sexy music so I'll play my little sexy playlist and I will just stand up and I, with my clothes on or off or whatever, depending on how warm I am, I'll just start letting my hands run all over my body, my body move and sway and my hips move to the music with no goals. I'm not even paying attention to what my hands are doing. It's just, you've seen me do this before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a practice that really helps me to connect with my body. And I do that for a couple of songs. And then I eventually make my way you know, onto laying on the bed. And then I will put some uh, Uber lube on my hands or castor oil, if I'm, is what we've talked about in vulva mapping, yeah. if I'm doing more of the healing touch for inflammation. And I'll let my hands run over my vulva. But what I'm learning is, so there's the morning part, because at night I'll just put it off somehow. Um, and also, 
10 minutes that is nothing for me. Like 10 minutes of starting is, is just barely, barely you know, opening the door to feeling my pleasure in my erotic body. I need 20 to 30 minutes and I'm probably not even going to have an orgasm in that time. You know, and, and I'm not in, in this I have not had any orgasms. With That's it. so funny because I thought it was it's ten minutes seemed like forever. I was like, am I, I wanted to have an orgasm. Like it's still. You're, that's why it seems like forever though. Yeah. You're looking for somewhere to totally. go. Totally. And so for me, it's not. It doesn't seem like forever because I'm not looking for anywhere to go. And I'm and I'm seeing. I'll, I'll see when the goals still come in. Like oh, I just want to have an orgasm. Instead, I'm like no, no, no. Just focusing on the touch and I'm moving really slow. A lot of my touch that I'm doing on the external vulva is more massage than it is like get on, trying to get off. Like I'm literally regarding touching my vulva as if I'm giving myself a pleasurable massage as opposed to like trying to have an orgasm. Like how can I nourish this and feel good the way it feel good on my shoulders? Mm. And, and sometimes I'm just holding or tapping and I'm holding the tissues that do have hurt. Like there are parts of me that I'm learning that um, you know, of my vulva that I feel like I've been poked and prodded at by people in the my all of my sexual life that are I'm, I'm learning to heal. So anyways, I think those are some key things. And OMGS has also been helpful there too. Oh, yeah. Because I think there's something to be said about following the thread of where the hands want to go. And sometimes it's helpful to have ideas of different techniques. So OMGS I have watched many times in the past, but I have watched it for a couple of these sessions where I'll watch a different technique and then I'll try it. But I try it again really slow just by trying to see what's available there. And so again, OMGS, if you go to omgs.com, you can learn more. If you go backslash shameless, then you get $5 off. And uh, it's all these different ways, all these videos from the, and it's all research-based with uh, real humans that say this is how they like to pleasure their vulvas and how they have orgasms to teach you different ideas and ways to add more, add more things to the menu on what you might like. And so it's giving me some inspiration for things that I normally wouldn't do or things you definitely don't see in porn. So I highly suggest checking out. Did you do any of that? Did you? I did. I, I, well, from previous experiences of watching. Yeah. It's, it's a great tool. And I love the fact of you don't know what's on the menu because you don't even. How would you know? Yeah. You don't even know how to read that menu yet because you haven't looked at it. So if your whole menu is from porn. Oh my God. That is the worst menu ever. It's like. Or if your menu is not from porn because some folks aren't even into porn. They're just unaware. And they're like, well, I don't want to watch that because what if it's like porn? I'm like, this is education, but not in a boring way. But I think the, even the folks who don't watch porn, their menu is still affected by porn. Because oh, God, the, you yeah. know, the people that are touching them may have watched porn. And the ways that bodies have been touched, especially vulvas have been touched for years. And even before porn, like there's just, there's a lot that is more penis centric, you know, what the penis likes, the vulva should like. So yeah, expanding the menu and going slow and following the thread and listening to your body and trying different things is a game changer. So totally. If you're part I'm so of our thankful that we have access to that. I'm so thankful for it. too. And if you're a part of our challenge, um, then you have a couple more days to continue and nobody fails, right? Everyone Wait. just needs to send us the their little their pictures and um, go to Instagram to find out more. We won't go and too people get access. The winner, we're going to choose some winners. They will get the end of the access yeah, yeah. to OMGS. So yeah. if you're interested in that, uh, if you haven't purchased it already, then enter the contest. Yep. And if you're not in the contest, just start. You have a couple more days to uh, just develop your self-pleasure practice. As you can see, uh, it's something that it's just a learning, right? It's so that we can learn more about our bodies. All right. You guys ready for y'all's ready for a sixth question? I'm ready for a sixth question. Okay. 
<clears throat> so anonymous listener says, I carry a lot of shame around the way in which I orgasm. Perfect. What we were just talking about right now, right? Oh, yeah. I'm 42 married and I can only climax when I touch myself. With my husband, I feel comfortable using my hand to climax. I have tried to teach him how I like to be touched, but it's like my brain just won't accept anyone else when it comes to my orgasm. I've tried experimenting, taking the pressure off the climax, and just exploring new sensation, but ultimately I feel frustrated like something is wrong with me. I'm broken and like I'm the only, oh, something's wrong with me, comma, I'm broken and like the, I'm the only one out there with this issue. I'm capable of having wonderful orgasms, usually multiple when I use my hands, but I won't be able to climax in different ways with my partner, and I'm frustrated. This is the only way I can. I feel like there's something wrong with me, which obviously isn't good for intimacy. I feel like I'm the only one with this issue. Oh, I mean, this that's still part of the question. We're saying the same thing again. My friends seem to be able to climax in different ways than me, using various positions, but the only thing that brings me over the edge is my hands. Is there any hope of changing this? So this person's saying only self-induced pleasure with, with hands. their hands yes. is it brings the them way. to awesome orgasms. And with their partner, if they use their own hands on themselves with their partner, it sounds like they can climax or have an orgasm. I'm like super jealous of this actually because yeah. it's so hard for me to orgasm and not to bring it to me. And this isn't about me, but when I use my hands when I'm with my partner, it has to be like a toy. It's hard for me to orgasm at all with my hands with a partner without a partner. <laughs> it's just and that too. And that too. With a, Yes. Uh, I can relate to the self-pleasure thing, which I've actually written about a blog about on our on our website, because I, for so many years, was only able to have an orgasm on my own and um, not even with partner in, like, into it either. When, mm. when a partner was involved there, it was almost impossible. So my, my whole advice to this person would be to say... I think it's amazing that you can have an orgasm with your partner by your own hand or, or even hands. alone with your own hands or alone with your own hands. I'll trade mine for yours. <laughs> I know because that's actually kind of liberating and I get the frustration piece because obviously you want to figure out, uh, or I'm sure your partner as well wants to figure out how, uh, to turn you on maybe with their hands or mouth. However, I would just embrace the fact that you can have an orgasm with your partner on your own because you are still in an experience with them. And the fact that is that you're still having an orgasm. So that's an amazing part of not the battle, but a part of the pleasure, the pleasure cycle mm -hmm. and, uh, your body's going to change. So that could be one way for a couple of years and then maybe a year from now you, there, yeah. there'll be some sort of shift. So yeah. that would be my thing to embrace it and love it. And congratulations that you're able to have these orgasms. Uh, but there it's not linear. Nothing's linear with orgasm and pleasure. And my question is, why is it so important that you have the orgasm what a specific way with your partner and not this other way? Because pleasure is pleasure. You're still having them. You can have them on your own. It sounds like you... Uh, can use your own hands and have an orgasm while having sex with your partner. And so the issue is just with their hands or their penis or whatever that is. Why is what it what in you thinks that you need it to be that way or that it should be that way? Is it because your 
partner seems to need that, like that will make them feel better. That's the question that I was actually wondering yeah. as well. Is it because society told you that? Is it because you have these friends that say, oh, I orgasm with a penis inside of me. I certainly don't. Oh, like, no, no. It's not easy for me no to do. No way can I, I either. have, but it's not a standard. It's not a default. That's a pl- That's like the candle on a cake or something when you can orgasm from a, from another body. Yeah. I mean, for me. It's a, it's a bonus. It's and a it's bonus. It's not something to be necessarily set on or I guess, okay, you can be set on it if you want to. But when we get set on things, we get in our own way. And so, you know, if you're in, in there thinking, I'm not going to orgasm from this, I'm not going to orgasm from this, or I wish I could, or blah, 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 you're in your head and you're not in your body versus, you know what? Fuck it. I am just happy to be here. If I use my own hands and I have pleasure, that's great. If I have an orgasm, my partner, that's awesome. I'm not set on it. Pleasure is pleasure. Connection is connection. And if your partner is, you know, their, 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 their own self worth is being, hurt because you're not coming from their hands or their penis and that's their stuff or you yeah. and you two can work on on that but like that's it doesn't have to be one way um and so i and i so i'm, I'm assuming that that's it when this you know they say they try these things of like you know relaxing and trying all these things and showing their partner what they like my guess is that there still is this internal story and pressure going on there for you like there's this the ex, there's a barrier there you know a layer of relaxation that isn't coming from uh having a someone else touch you and you're in kind of like april and i were talking about vibrators it's so easy to get off the vibrator and then when it comes to other things it's really really challenging and there is a mental block or barrier there that's related to safety and conditioning and all kinds of things and um to not have as many goals around it, to get clear on where that's even coming from, why it feels so important to have an orgasm a certain way and do whatever you can to just be more present with the touch. That's good advice, Amy. Yeah, it's very it's, good advice. It's a it's a hard one, but I think a lot of it is just the conditioning of how we are supposed to come. And Which is a lot of what we talk about. The yeah. labels, the this is the the uh, these are the conditions yeah. of most relationships, or these are the traditions of uh, how Westerners live. Or mm-hmm. I think that breaking the 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 mold is part of your own story and this listening to this podcast is that first step. Yeah. You don't have to be any certain way. Just do you. And uh, I just have one other uh, suggestion would be um, if you, if it is feeling important to have your partner's hands be able to give you orgasm, uh, what it would, I don't know if you've tried this, but what if you took their hand under your hand and then your hand over their hand and you just move their hands the entire time, the exact way that you would touch yourself I'm wondering if that would bring you there. I mean, because you can show them so much, but then I'm sh- I wonder if there's like still some, you know, tolerating compliance that comes around when they actually try because you don't want to hurt their feelings and give them too much direction. But what if the whole session was developed was designed where your hands over their hand while you're doing the whole thing, and you you know you, maybe you close your eyes the whole time and just go inside. And, and what about a maybe a and this is a cis woman? Am I? Um, we're not sure not sure well maybe a genital mapping session if they are in an area with their partner because that is a manageable uh endeavor and they do have offerings i don't know where this person is located i have no idea however that could be something really cool to explore a genital mapping session yeah 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 genital mapping you can go check out if you i don't know where you're located but um look, look up sexological body work you can find out more listen to our vulva mapping episode um and we've talked a lot about river and uh and dolly and the work they do and i'm just realizing they never say anything about vulva oh okay uh, vagina so genitals pussy. is a good way to talk about it yeah I, and i'm like 
are we even talking to someone who identifies as a woman? I'm not sure. I just made that assumption because these are 42 and married and my husband, but that's some assumptions that we We made. shouldn't make an assumption. So you know what assuming does? It makes an ass out of you. And me. And me. So uh, can I tell you something, Amy? Tell me a thing. I feel really pretty. Yeah. My hair feels really thick and amazing. Uh-huh. And I have never been able to grow nails. Look at, I make the perfect lesbian. I always say that because my nails won't grow. They're always won't very short. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my nails are growing. I've been taking Ritual now for over 30 days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a huge fan before we even t- started talking about it on our podcast. It's a woman-owned vitamin company made for women by women. Mm-hmm. And you can all the ingredients are sourced from different areas of the world. And they share with you where they're sourced. And the no fillers. There's no fillers. And it's uh, they're the the actual vitamins themselves. It's a multivitamin, but they're ingredients that we usually can't get from food, like our daily food intake, which Mm -hmm. is why you're taking vitamins in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I do feel pretty. My skin feels better. Everyone go check out Ritual. So better health. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, with April, she's been working 30 days at this. (laughs) You're always beautiful. It's not, it's not like it's, this isn't the only reason, but yeah, you do have a glow. So right now Ritual is offering listeners 10% off during your first three months. So fill in the gaps with your diet with essential for women as a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com backslash shameless sex to start your ritual today. I love rituals. You know, I'm a hippie. And that's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com backslash shameless sex. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of you. Yeah. And you're a puppy on your lap. Dude, he's the best. Are you all ready to hear a bio? Bio time? So... Charlie Glickman. I love Charlie, by the way. Charlie, when you're listening to this, know how much I adore you. He was... He's coached me through some shit in my life. Oh, my God, you're divorced. My, let me tell he you. He was your sex and relationship coach. He was. Divorced, he yeah. was. I have never really shared that until right now. Yeah. Hopefully, he's okay with that. But oh, he's, no, totally. He's helped me so much. At midnight, I was like, Charlie, I need you. I've, and he's been my sex and relationship coach at times. He's the one that introduced me to Somatica. I mean, he's been a, a, definitely a teacher of mine. And also some of the books that we've recommended that are my life-changing books recommended by Charlie Glickman. Yeah. So thank he, you, Charlie. I adore you. So sorry. I just wanted to say that before the bio. Yeah, he knows his stuff. He's in this. He's only talking about anal, but he does all kinds of work with people on general sex and relationship coaching. Um, and I'll read the bio so you know more what he does. So it's not all anal, but he is definitely <laughs> a specialty of his. So Charlie Glickman, PhD, is a sex and relationship coach, a sexuality educator, a sexological body worker, which is what we've been talking about. He can do vulva mapping. Oh, I didn't mapping. know that he did that. Yeah, he can do penis mapping, anal mapping, all of the things. I would love uh-huh. that. He's, he's located in Seattle. So yes. if you're up there in Seattle and you want to do an in-person session, he also works online. Um, and he's also an internationally acclaimed speaker. He's been working in this field for over 25 years, and some of his areas of focus include sex and shame, sex positivity, queer issues, masculinity and gender, communities of erotic affiliation, I think that's right, and many sexual and relationship practices. Charlie is also the co-author of The Ultimate Guide to Prostate Pleasure, Erotic Exploration for Men and Their Partners. Find out more about him on his website, makesexeasy.com, or on Facebook at Charlie Glickman. Uh, I guess oh, Facebook backslash charlie.glickman. Go check him out. Enjoy. Are you ready to dive into the ass, April? I'm so stoked. I love the ass. Here we go. All right, everyone. It's episode time. And there is 
not a April in this room. And uh, we, we this happens sometimes. I, lately, I've been traveling and recording on the road with some folks. And today, I am in Seattle, and I am recording with the wonderful Charlie Glickman. Can I call you Dr. Charlie Glickman? If you like. <laughs> I like Dr. Charlie Glickman. Uh, <laughs> we have recorded with Charlie before. And Charlie was, oh God, in the beginning, it may have been within our first 20 episodes. Yeah, it was one of the first ones, I it, think. Yes, and we still didn't know how to record online. We were like, trying, we couldn't figure it out. And now we have it dialed in. Apparently, everyone's Zoom makes it really easy. Um, and it was on prostate play. So it was about anal, but specifically geared towards prostates. Uh, and this one, I would like to dive deeper in to anal. <laughs> if only you all could see the face yeah. that she makes when she says that. I was like, deeper. In. <laughs> I know. Well, it's perfect for the for the anal topic. It's fair. Yeah. So you, uh, for folks who haven't heard, and we already said this in the bio, but um, you wrote the book, co-authored the book, The Ultimate Guide to Prostate Play. I did. You've taught many an anal 101 workshop. 101 and beyond. Yeah, 102, 5.0. Yeah. Oh. Mostly I just call the workshop Awesome Anal Sex. Oh, I like that name. Yeah. That's great. So tell our listeners, first of all, what's so awesome about anal sex? <laughs> well, for the people who like it, uh-huh. right? Because nothing's awesome for everybody. This is true. But uh, you know, the anus is one of the most erotically sensitive parts of the body mm-hmm. for many, many people. Um, it's incredibly sensitive tissue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just on the level of, of physical stimulation, it can be amazing. Uh, for some folks, you get the thrill of the taboo or doing something naughty. You know, that can really play into it. And uh, you know, there are also people who find that anal play uh, accentuates or adds to their orgasmic experience if they do it as an add-on. Mm-hmm. So you know, for some people, anal play is the main course and other people it's a side dish mm-hmm. um, and that's a really fun way to play with it too yeah and the side dish in so many ways right so there's we can talk about there's anal penetration with a dildo or a penis there's anal penetration with just fingers and and mouths and and other friend anal safe toys and things so there's a lot of side dish options yeah or uh anal stimulation or penetration during oral sex mm-hmm. so a blowjob or cunnilingus where you're adding anal play in yeah. or uh you know, rear entry or doggy style intercourse mm-hmm. and then adding anal stimulation, all kinds of ways that you can do it. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk to our listeners as if they are brand new to anal. So we, we won't talk to the 5.0 version quite yet. We'll get, maybe we can get into some 5.0 things, but as if someone is brand new to anal and um, they are... I have they either I have heard this thing. I heard it feels good. I've had an experience that doesn't feel good. I don't understand it. What am I doing wrong? What are some of the first things that you would say to this person? Ooh, all right. So let's start with a little anatomy. Yes. Because when you know how your body works, it makes it easier to have fun. So the anus itself is actually two rings of muscle. Uh, they're about an inch to an inch and a quarter apart from each other. So that whole zone is called the anal canal, Mm -hmm. which I think is a hilarious name. (laughs) Always makes me think of an amusement park ride. You're on the anal canal. Right? Whee! But the external muscle, so Mm -hmm. the first one that you would touch if you were inserting a finger, 
that kind of muscle is called skeletal muscle. Those are the muscles that you can consciously squeeze and relax mm -hmm. to move your body. So mm -hmm. if you squeeze your biceps muscle and it moves the bones of your arm to do like a bicep curl, that's why they're called skeletal muscles. Mm -hmm. Skeletal muscles you have control over. The internal anal muscle, um, the digestive system, right, the last six to eight inches of it is the rectum. That's usually you know, where folks are having anal play if there's penetration. Mm -hmm. And the tube kind of gathers up and squeezes closed at the end of it. It's kind of like a little, like those little bags that jewelry mm -hmm. comes in. Or if you're a gamer, it's your dice bag, you know, those little <laughs> ones. Um, and because it's continuous with the digestive system, the inner uh, anal sphincter is made up of smooth muscle. Smooth muscle is the muscles in your body that you don't have conscious control over. So mm -hmm. things like your pupil dilation or your blood vessels or it's in your organs. Mm -hmm. The reason why this is important is that smooth muscle is controlled by the autonomic nervous system, which mm -hmm. is like the the part of your nervous system that handles all the things that we don't want to think about. Digestion, breathing, heart rate, sweating, all of that. Why that's important is that it means that the internal muscle is really sensitive to your mood and your emotions. Mm. So uh, you know how like if a cat or a dog is stressed out and they tuck their tail under? Mm -hmm. Human beings do the same thing when we're stressed out. Mm but we just don't have tails. Mm, so we can't even see that we're doing it. Right. We're, yeah. And and just to put it out there, some of you may own some butt plugs with tails attached to them. It's not the same thing because <laughs> it's not attached to your body. Just mm -hmm. saying. Mm -hmm. But so what that means is that if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling stressed out, if you're worried, your pelvic floor can tighten up. And it doesn't matter what the stress is. So maybe you've been stuck in rush hour traffic or you got a big work project at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon or uh, you're worried about anal play hurting because it did in the past. Mm -hmm. Wherever that worry is coming from, your body tightens up and then it's more likely to be painful. And then if you keep going, it's more likely to just get worse and worse until your body says, nope, not mm -hmm. going to do that anymore. So the first rule for awesome anal sex is talk about awesome anal sex. Now, the first rule <laughs> for awesome anal sex is don't force anything. Mm. Um, this is all about the receiver learning to relax open rather than trying to force anything open. Uh, the more you push, the more pressure you put on your partner, the more goal-oriented you are about it, like, okay, we're going to have anal intercourse tonight or we're going to use the big dildo, the more pressure the receiver feels, the more their nervous system is going to say no. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a little ironic that you're more likely to have a successful, pleasurable anal play experience when you let go of the goal. Mm -hmm. And so um, let's talk about porn here where yeah. most of what people are seeing in porn is a lot of uh, forcefulness and or, yeah, there's kind of regarding as if it's just some hole that you can shove whatever you want in there as fast as you want. They're not even showing them at, they're adding lube and the person that's being penetrated, oh my God, it feels so amazing. Well, so there's a few pieces to that. Mm -hmm. And yes, don't copy porn to have sex. Mm -hmm. 
the sex and porn is magically convenient mm -hmm. in the same way that if you're watching a cooking show, you're on the Food Network, mm -hmm. and the chef says, oh, have half a cup of chopped onion, and there's just this bowl of onion on the counter, mm -hmm. and it's already done, mm -hmm. and there's no mess, there's no prep, there's no cleanup. The same thing happens in porn. Those performers are warming up, and they're applying lubricant, but it happens before they get in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I've talked with a lot of people who have really caused themselves or their partners uh, some pretty significant pain because they were copying what they saw on the screen. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that uh, porn performers who are regulars at performing anal play, they're doing it a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, Now, if you have anal sex regularly, like maybe a couple of times a week, you might also get to a place where you can just dive right in without much warm-up. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing this less often than that, it's just not going to work the same way. Mm -hmm. Or it's not likely to. It could, but it's not likely to. Mm -hmm. So don't copy porn. Yeah. It's a great way to to get yourself hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that yeah, like you said, that applies to all sex, not just not just anal or, or most things. There's some wonderful sex positive educational porn, but I would say that's not ninety percent of it. Ninety percent yeah. of it is more for the shock value. Um, okay, so there's little. You're speaking to the the safety end to. Uh, to work with your your body as the person is is being penetrated. So would you say that the the bottom the the one that is actually being penetrated that they're the one to start at least for the initial in in penetration part insertion um, they're in control. I actually think yes yes yes. The short answer is yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the receiver needs to be in control over the speed, the mm -hmm. pace, the depth, the intensity all of that. The more control they have over it, the easier it is for their body to relax into it, mm -hmm. um, especially when people are new to this kind of play. Mm -hmm. But there are some, there's some tips for how to make that a little easier. Mm -hmm. uh, first thing is breathe. Mm, really? Really. <laughs> a lot of people hold their breath during sex. I know. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, but uh, not just breathing, but taking long, slow, deep breaths mm -hmm. slows the nervous system down and helps the pelvic floor relax. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I find is if you just tell somebody to breathe, they don't. Mm -hmm. So for the givers, um, whatever kind of anal play you're doing, instead of just telling your partner to breathe, breathe along with them. Mm -hmm. right? And uh, that does two things. One is that it models it for them so that they can feel your presence with them. But the second and possibly more important is that the more relaxed and calm the giver is in their nervous system, the easier it is for the receiver to tune into that. Mm -hmm. And so you're actually helping them along. I would imagine it would create connection too for breathing together. Then there's also that that sort of unity that we're, we're working together and some part of our energetic system might align in that way too. There's a reason why in the Tantra world, people breathe together a lot. It mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. It really does work. Mm -hmm. So uh, so breath, long, slow, deep breaths. Uh, the second thing I would recommend is arousal. Mm -hmm. um, and you know that's for two reasons. One is that the more turned on you are, the more the pelvic floor relaxes. Mm -hmm. And that's true for vaginal play too, right? That's, that's warm-up before intercourse, for example. Uh, but 
also, arousal changes how the body interprets sensation. Mm. So, uh, you know, if you're sitting at your computer and you're writing an email and your sweetie comes up and bites you on the neck, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel the same as if they bite you during sex, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So get turned on first, whether that's making out, flirting, dirty talk, oral sex, intercourse, erotic massage, vibrators, bondage, spanking, like whatever your thing is, get turned on before you go near your partner's booty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. To get the blood flow going, get the juices going. Yeah, I don't... Diving right into anal without the arousal sounds... Um, painful sounds. It can be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds like, well, I'm really not there for, for me in my anal, uh, endeavors. It, it really is. It's anal, anal quickies. You have fingers and mouths. They can have anal quickies in, in that way, but to actually have, have full on penetration with some, you know, a dildo or a homegrown cock. Um, it's, it's a process. Like how long do we have? Because I need a lot of time to really get into my body and to connect. Well, and it, that's true for many people. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you if you engage in anal play regularly, mm -hmm. you you for some people, not everybody, but some people can also train their bodies to have a more immediate response mm -hmm. because you know we've had so many positive experiences that now it's a little easier to dive right in. Yeah, I mean, if you're super excited about it, you get really turned on by anal, and you might have that feeling like, I just want your whatever yeah. in my ass right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, but that's not necessarily going to happen, too. Mm -hmm. I know people who have enjoyed anal play for 30 years, and mm -hmm. they still need lots of warm-up. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so, um, so arousal, breath, breath work, uh, and the receiver is in control Mm -hmm. of the process really yeah key things and then let's talk about that lubricant business because yeah. have you ever met an ass that lubricated itself not <laughs> once I, have, I keep saying this when i teach anal 101 classes or when i even just talk about uber lube on the road so I have the, the ass doesn't lubricate itself and if yours does come to me so i can study you because i would <laughs> like to see what is happening in your miracle ass yeah yeah, yeah. everyone needs some kind of lubricant for anal play mm -hmm. um you know, some folks like the water-based lubes because mm -hmm. they, they're easy to clean up. I'm not a big fan of them because they dry out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So a silicone lubricant like Uber Lube mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, there are some other brands out there these days. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I am personally prefer silicone because uh, hypoallergenic, long-lasting, mm -hmm. um, they are a little hard to clean up, though. Yeah, yeah, they take a little they more time. Me. That's the part, point of them is they stay on the surface of the skin. They're long-lasting, and that's one reason why uh, I am a diehard Uber Lube fan is that it's long-lasting, yet it's still somewhat th thin in that it can blend in with your skin over time. So for me, when I use Uber Lube for all kinds of play, I don't feel like I need to wash it off. I actually rub it into my skin. It feels nice in my body. Um, and so it feels like a nice moisturizer over time. So yeah. for folks who haven't tried Uber Lube, if you've listened to our podcast, all, all the episodes, you're like probably like, stop talking about Uber Lube. But we won't because we love it. <laughs> um, go check Uber Lube out. Go to uberlube.com. Our listeners get 10% off with coupon code SHAMELESSSEX in all caps. And you also get free shipping. Um, and it's not just for anal. It's good for all kinds of play, vaginal, oral, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's a great product. Yeah. One thing I will say about lube is that different people's bodies respond to different brands. Mm -hmm. So just like you might need to experiment to find the right uh, 
shampoo mm -hmm. or a skin lotion or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so if you're not sure, get a small bottle, mm -hmm. try it out, and then you know if it's not the right one for your body's chemistry, you know you don't have a big you know yeah like big jug of lubricant that you're not going to use. Well, and if it's silicone, you can do other things with it, right? You can put it in your hair, make your hair shiny. That's true. You can lubricate bike chains. Yeah, you do all kinds of things. So like, this yeah. isn't my lube, but I can do five million other things with it. Actually, my front door lock, uh, the key was sticking in the <laughs> lock. And so I put a drop or two of silicone lube on the key, turned it in the lock a few times, mm -hmm. and that lasted for years. Yes. Yeah, and it's not toxic. It's non-toxic. There you it's go. Good, good stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so lube, yes, use yes. lube. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is very difficult to use too much lube for anal play. Mm -hmm. So if you think you're using enough, add a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, it, it never hurts to add a little bit more lube. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is possible to use too much, but you really have to work at it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. what, it, what would it look like if you used too much? It's just well, so there's too much of a slip and slide? Yeah, well, there's this product. Uh, it's called a lube shooter. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, mm -hmm. it's like a little hypodermic syringe, but without a needle on it. And you fill it with lubricant and insert it and then squeeze the plunger. And then it fills the, the rectum or the vagina with mm -hmm. lube. And I talked to somebody once who uh, did three of those Whoa. full of lube, which is like half of a bottle of lube, and he gave himself really bad cramps. Oh, because they too went, much lube. Yeah, because it was kind of went up into the yeah, it was the bad. bowels. Oof! But you really have to work at that. Yeah, that's that's a lot. You put a half a bottle of lube in your body, mm -hmm, right? <laughs> I don't I don't know what the story was behind that. I didn't uh -huh. ask. So, but, okay, um, so there is such thing as too much, but for most of you, probably adding a little more won't hurt. Not really. Okay. No. Great. So we have the lube, we have breath, we have the bottom is in control or the receiver is in control. We have, there was one other one that I just forgot, uh, but you all remember because you all heard. Arousal. Arousal, very yeah. important. How did I forget that one? Um, what else? What are some other key points? Okay, so never surprise anybody with anal penetration. Ooh, yeah. Right. Unless it is something that you have pre-negotiated with them. Yeah, right? when like, someone's like, I'd like you to surprise me with your cock in my ass. Right. Or <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. However, however you want right? yeah. to navigate your yeah. relationship with that. Mm -hmm. um, start off with external play mm -hmm. first. You can do a lot of really great uh, massage with your hands on the outside. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can do uh, lots of different strokes, circles across the surface of the anus, little circles on one spot, stroking with your fingers. Uh, you can do um, thumb circles, which is sort of the same motion as if you're massaging someone's shoulders mm -hmm. where like you're gripping them with your hand and stroking with your thumbs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, with all of the external techniques that you might want to use, uh, slow and steady mm. works better than fast and light. Mm -hmm. So think of it as giving somebody like a deep shoulder massage, but on their anus. Mm -hmm. um, and take your time with it, mm -hmm. right? You really want to warm the muscles up and relax them. So you're not talking like 30 seconds, a minute. We're talking really... As just and, and probably checking in with the person as you're massaging them, but just really taking your time there. Give yeah. it a while. I yeah. mean, make your partner uh, get get them really turned on mm -hmm. before you even think about going inside. And yeah, if you're not sure what kinds of touch your partner likes, 
uh, which is super common. Mm -hmm. Well, so two things. One is that uh, my book, The Mm -hmm. Ultimate Guide to Prostate Pleasure, Mm -hmm. has pictures, drawings of different massage techniques so you can see what some of them look like. Um, But also ask your partner. Mm -hmm. So do a technique for, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, and then ask, hey, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. Mm -hmm. How much do you like this one? Mm -hmm. And then change it up. Add a little more pressure. Take a little pressure off. Slow it down. Change the technique. Mm -hmm. uh, And then ask them again. Kind of like doing a wine tasting. Mm-hmm. Right? April would love that. We love you, April. She loves wine. So. <laughs> if only she were here. She's like, oh, anal is like wine tasting? Sold. <laughs> awesome. Um, but, uh, and then you'll actually know what your partner likes. Mm-hmm. Because I can't promise that anyone will like any particular technique. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's a little different. And it could change from day to day too, right? Today yeah. I really like this and the next day... Mm, that's not really working for me right now. Yeah. It did yesterday, but right now, try something. Let's try something different. Yeah, do do lots of external touch first, mm-hmm. um, and you know, while you're doing that, you can also combine genital stimulation with that. Oral sex is an easy one, depending mm-hmm. on your positions. But you know, if you're focusing your hands on your partner's butt, mm-hmm. their hands are free, so mm-hmm. like they could stroke their cock, they mm-hmm. could rub their clit, they could grab a vibrator. Mm-hmm. You know, they can keep their level of arousal up while you're focusing on their anus. Mm-hmm. What's up, shameless sex fam? Is your sex life important to you? Hmm. What about your relationships? And also, let me ask you this. Who can relate to this story? Things were once so good in the bedroom with my partner, and now it's a mess, and I don't know what to do. Where's or, my happily ever after, yeah, where's Amy? My ha- yeah, yeah, what about me? Or how about so many aspects of my life are fantastic, but when it comes to sex and relationships, I feel so lost. Yep, been there. Uh, mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. And this is why you all need Shameless Sex, the, the book. book. We give you simple, simple solutions and a framework that you can use. You can customize it to you. Yes, you gives you the tools, the right tools for your sex and relationship. So you get what you desire and it's fun. It's playful. Right, Amy? We're always playful. It's kind of sexy. And did I mention how easy we make it for you? You have to check out Shameless Sex. Plus the testimonials, they're coming in from everywhere. And this book has helped people just like you recreate and create the sex life of their dreams. So you can do it too. Go to, where are they going, Amy? Shamelesssex.com. Oh, how easy is that? Just go to shamelesssex.com and click on the book, okay? And you can get it however you choose. If you, you want, want hardcover, yeah. audio. Hardcover? We got you hardly yeah. covered. <laughs> I have a question for you, and we, we can continue on with this thread of um, the, kind of the important key features for for awesome anal. But I have a, something come up. I have a friend that... Um, a friend. A You're friend. asking for a no, friend. No, seriously, really, a friend because this this friend um, has the highest sex drive of any any woman I know. So I'm not speaking about myself. If you've listened to many episodes, you know that I don't have a super high sex drive. I'm working on that, Charlie. I'm working on that. But <laughs> this person, I'm not judging. I know, I know, but I'm just I have a great desire. When my friend talks about this, about how she's uh, she's in her 40s and she has this really strong sex drive. She says, I think about sex all the time. I want sex all the time. When I have sex, I have like 10 orgasms and 20 orgasms sometimes. I don't know if it's all one big orgasm. And I'm like, damn you. Anyways, 
she when she has anal sex, she says because she's very orgasmic. When she has an orgasm, while there still is something inside of her ass, right when her orgasm's done, she cannot. She, that thing needs to get out of her ass right away. What's going on there, Charlie? Yeah, I don't know what the physiology of that is. I know it's really common. Okay. Um, it seems to be particularly common uh, for cisgender men, mm-hmm. right? If they have an ejaculatory orgasm, because mm-hmm. some guys can uh, orgasm without ejaculation. Mm-hmm. But ejaculation seems to do it. And I've definitely talked to folks of other genders who have this happen, mm-hmm. where um, once they orgasm, their body just tightens up and mm-hmm. clamps down. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have found that if they just hold still for a few minutes, that their body will start to relax and open up again. And other people say that, nope, one and done. Yeah, get it out. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's a thing, <laughs> one and done. Yeah. And, and what can be tricky in those situations is, so if what's inside your ass in that moment is a penis, mm-hmm. If that person has ejaculated, right, mm-hmm. they'll start to soften up. Mm-hmm. But even if they haven't ejaculated, if you hold still, they'll probably start to get softer mm-hmm. unless they've taken Viagra, mm-hmm. for example. And that makes it a little easier to pull out. Mm-hmm. If you're using fingers or a dildo, right, they don't change size. Yeah. And that can make the withdrawal tricky. So here is my super secret ninja technique for coming out mm-hmm. in those situations. Mm-hmm which is um, you have the receiver, take a nice, slow, deep breath in, Mm. and as they exhale, you start to pull out Mm. very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. And then uh, either they will get to the bottom of their exhalation, and then you pause while they inhale again, and then you withdraw on the next exhalation. Mm -hmm. Or as you're pulling out, you'll feel them start to like clamp down. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you feel that resistance hold still Mm -hmm. and then catch the next exhalation. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as they squeeze down again, hold still. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it might be three or four or five breaths before you can pull all the way out. But by working with the body like that, uh, it's going to be a lot more comfortable. Mm, I never heard that before. Your ninja trick. Super secret ninja trick. What about for penetration when when you're being penetrated, the idea of bearing down? Yes. Mm -hmm. So the pelvic floor, uh, the muscles of the pelvic floor, especially the muscles of the anus, uh, stay squeezed most of the time except for when we are bearing down like we're going to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're not sure what I mean by that, uh, sometime... take a boop. Yeah, well, actually, (laughs) sometime when you're lying in bed or taking a shower or taking a bath or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, put your fingertips on the surface of your anus Mm -hmm. and bear down as if you were going to the bathroom, but like 25% of that pressure. And you'll actually feel the anal muscles sort of pucker out as if you were making like a, a kissy face at somebody and you're going, mm-hmm. right? It, does, it doesn't make that sound. But like, <laughs> but, but I made this sound so that you would know. Someone's what, does. That's true. So that you could, because, you know, in person you can mm-hmm. see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the receiver, uh, it can really help to bear down because mm-hmm. that opens everything up. Mm. So yeah, so it just, it, bearing down, you just because I think that sounds, I guess, counterintuitive to people, or is that the right word? That it sounds like it wouldn't, it would be the re- the reverse, that it wouldn't actually allow for something to go in more, but actually 
um, it, it makes perfect sense to me. But I, just don't think, I think for a lot of people, they're like, "What? Why would I want to do that?" Or yeah. maybe they're worried. About, like, we can go to this topic. They're worried about poop. No, hold that thought. I want to <laughs> say one other thing. Okay, which is that you can also play with it, like you bear down to relax the muscles a little bit, and then you squeeze. Mm to tighten down, which is, you know, especially if your partner is using uh, fingers or a penis, mm-hmm. right, they'll be able to feel that sort of like squeeze, release, squeeze, release. Okay. So, yeah, bear down. It's good practice. It's basically the opposite of a Kegel squeeze. Ah, uh, yeah. Reverse Kegel. Yeah. This would, so you say it's good practice for someone that, to understand by what you're talking about by maybe lubing up a finger and putting... Uh, and finger going through this whole process with their own finger, with their own ass, this whole process of relaxing the body, getting aroused. I have my finger, I'm holding up, and Charlie's giving me a funny look. <laughs> if only you could see the gestures like that my, Amy is making. My creepy pokey finger. Right? <laughs> Put some lube on it and do the whole thing and so that you can have the experience of what it what it feels like to um, to do all of these steps, to incorporate all of them, to bear down, to do all the things all at once. Yes, for two big reasons. Mm-hmm. One is that if you're interested in receiving, uh, a great way to learn what you like, just like with any other kind of sex, mm-hmm. is some solo stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the advantages that has for anal play is that if you try something and it doesn't work or it's uncomfortable, you can stop immediately. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're doing it with a partner, you have to find your words say them out loud, your partner has to hear them and like process the meaning and then respond to them. And sometimes there's a, a time lag. Mm. So I'm a big believer in rehearsing solo. But also, uh, even if you think you're only going to be a giver of anal play, uh, you'll be a much better giver if you know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm personally a little skeptical when people say, oh, well, I want to do this, but I never, I've never, i never felt what it's like, if only because, uh, you know, I think there's a limit to how much you can understand the experience if you've never had it. Mm-hmm. So experience it, if you're, you know, not willing to experience, you're, you're the, the giver, you are only going to be the giver, but if you're not willing to experience it as a receiver once or twice, to experience it as... Um, you being the giver to your own ass. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that will make you so much better as a giver. Mm-hmm. See, it'll make you a better lover. Yeah. Yeah. Put something in your ass, your own finger. <laughs> and I mean, there still is that thing with uh, people thinking that it's the behavior that determines your orientation. And, you know, especially for um, a lot of. A lot of male-identified folks who uh, still think that if something goes in their ass, then it makes them gay, and I or there's I'm not as much of a man. I mean, this is still a it's thing. It's still real. Yeah, still very real. It's still very much so. Mm-hmm. So, uh, two things about that. Mm-hmm. One, from a sexological perspective, any sexual act that happens between people of different genders, whatever the activity is is by definition heterosexual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's one thing. But the other thing is that uh, who you, wh- what kinds of things you enjoy, that's about uh, where your nerve endings are and mm-hmm. how your body works. Who you want to do it with, that's your sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. And those two questions are actually separate 
pieces. They mm -hmm. don't have any relationship to each other. Um, you can be uh, heterosexual and love receiving anal penetration, mm -hmm. and you can be a gay man and not like an anal penetration at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're, they're different. And I think if we narrow it down to, okay, I am a straight man, therefore I can't do all these other things because they determine my orientation. This is the, the story. You miss out on so much. Yeah. Like you're talking about. I've actually had a partner before who I love and adore. You're a wonderful human if you're listening. Um, and they weren't into anal of course, for themselves, which was fine. They didn't want to receive. But they also weren't into touching my ass. And so I can speak personally for myself. I did at times feel like I was missing out on a whole bunch. It, just because I don't need to have anal penetration all the time. But I like a finger in the ass. I like having on the menu. I like having it as an option. Some of my best orgasms are when there's a lot going on for my clitoris and in my, and in my vaginal out and something on my ass all at the same time and when something is off the menu i feel like it's like a you know somatic thing my menus now i'm on the kitty menu <laughs> so when you can expand it beyond the um the the social norms or ideas of what sex should be um there's so much more available well yeah and there's one other piece to that which is that um you know, when we wrote the prostate book, we surveyed a lot of people about their experiences uh, and asked them what their concerns were, what their worries were. And one of the things that came up was this idea that receiving penetration means taking on the quote-unquote woman's role mm. and for men, therefore, losing masculine status. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's a, that's a whole hours conversation about mm -hmm. gender and bodies and everything that goes into that. And there's some people that will think that's really hot. They yeah. actually are, are there's certain that's things that the they're thrill. doing. Yeah. Because they're like, I want to feel that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the thrill. Mm -hmm. But I think it's worth just teasing out the idea that, uh, if somebody thinks that receiving penetration means taking on the woman's role and therefore being less than, then what does that say about their attitudes about women? Mm -hmm. I mean, right. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think I'd be dating that person. I guess <laughs> you know. And just to put it out there too mm -hmm. is that a lot of people move through the world not coming from that perspective, mm -hmm. but then when the emotions are heated, right? Those kinds of old stories come bubbling up. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't make you a bad person, no. but it might be something worth looking at. And yeah, a lot of it is just their own conditioning that they might not even be aware of, you yeah. know, so it doesn't in any way, it isn't saying that, th that they're a bad person, but a lot of people just aren't aware. This is the way I think, because this is what I've been taught, and I don't really question that. That's the conditioning. This is what I think is n normal, right? This is what's normal for everyone, yeah. when in fact, when you really look at it, there's really isn't one one standard for there's whatever no that thing is. There's no such thing as normal. No, abnormal is the new norm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I have heard it said that the first thought that pops into your head is the thing that you were taught to believe, and the second thing that pops into your head is what you do with that. Mm, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I like that because I want to have compassion for myself and, and for other people and especially other men who have these kinds of uh, concerns show up. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't have to rule your sex life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't have to be controlled by it. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much possibility. There is. When you, well, especially when you just start to question things and ask, ask that that second question. That it just and I, 
I know I, I assume that most people that are listening to our podcast are are asking that because you're listening to Shameless Sex. So you're probably saying, okay, you know, I'm looking for something different or that there's something more beyond what I've been raised with. And a lot of folks that are listening have a ton of shame that they know that is not theirs or that they might not know yet. But it's yeah. So uh, we love all of all of you listeners who are uh, asking questions and not just uh, believing everything you hear. Like even with what we're saying, ask questions with us. I don't. When I speak about things, I'm not always right about things. Ask me questions. They do all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have had some recent things. Uh, I do want to put out there, um, and we probably have put this on other episodes, but we read every review that we get from people. And, you know, as we grow, we start to get some of the, the not so happy reviews and we, we listen to all of them. You know, of course they they hurt our heart a little and there's truth in them because people are questioning us. And so I, a part of me is like, Oh, they're, they're seeing my flaws and that doesn't feel good. And then this other part of me feels grateful because I'm, it, it gives me an opportunity to see uh, where I'm, I'm kind of stuck and getting in my own way with my beliefs. Total tangent from anal, but still, it's all related. <laughs> yeah, it's all related. It's all, well, mm-hmm. and especially because so many people do carry an incredible amount of shame mm-hmm. in that part of the body. Mm. Um, you know, in his book *Anal Pleasure and Health*, Jack Morin talks quite a bit about how uh, early experiences of being shamed during toilet training. Mm. And phobias, and this ties back to the hygiene question that you asked earlier, but there are a lot of those kinds of emotions present in that part of the body. Mm. Um, And so you might find them bubbling up to the surface when you start playing there. Mm -hmm. I didn't know he wrote that book. Yeah. Oh, interesting. He also wrote The Erotic Mind, which we talk about all the time on this podcast. But okay, I have to check that one out. Yeah, it's a great book. That would make sense, though, that this part of you that you have received shame, even and so you're saying there can be you know, poop shame or, or other shame that doesn't even have to do with the anus. And yet the anus and the anal canal kind of embodies that and clamps down. Well, yeah, actually, uh, you'll get different opinions depending on who you ask. But in my opinion, uh, the anus is actually the first chakra. Mm, yeah, the root. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the root. And it's all about safety and security. Mm-hmm. Actually, interesting little factoid about the anus, which is that in fetal development, Uh, Right, So sperm meets egg and cells start to divide. Uh, The first part of the body that starts to form as the cells are forming different tissues is the anus. Hmm. Like literally every single person started off as an anus anus, (laughs) and then it grew into a tube and then the tube forms the other end which becomes the mouth and then everything else kind of grows so when i say that you're an asshole you kind of really are but i was in the past you were but now you're not (laughs) you used to be such an asshole you know and and there are people who might argue that it still sometimes happens i'll I'll acknowledge that (laughs) but 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 the reason why i say all of that is that you know on the one hand you know, people will talk about the anus as being the first chakra, mm-hmm. and it literally is the first part of the body that develops. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, there's probably a connection between those two things. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, and you, so you do because you you are a sexological body worker and you're a certified sex and relationship coach. 
but you you're you're trained in sexological body work to actually do hands on um, I don't know if you're actually doing this with your clients, but I know that you have the training at least to do hands on um, anal massage to to work with this, with that the um, the shame and the trauma and the, the kind of clenching or whatever that is, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and a lot of people uh, emotions just get stuck in the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something that's useful to know about the pelvic floor, and then I really do want to come back to the, the hygiene question, <laughs> but. Um, so if you look at a four-legged animal, cat, dog, horse, whatever, right? the, the pelvic floor is actually not a floor. It's vertical, mm-hmm. right? It's a, a wall rather than a floor. It's not weight-bearing. Mm-hmm. But when we evolved to start walking upright, that wall became the floor. Mm-hmm. And it's tiny little muscles that really aren't well-designed to be weight-bearing. Mm. So this is why uh, when folks are pregnant, they're really prone to mm, hemorrhoids, pressure, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's all kinds of of medical and emotional concerns that can cause the pelvic floor to tighten. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are experiencing pelvic pain, uh, you know, sexological body workers like me can do some work around that. But really, I'd recommend going to a pelvic physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had one on our show. There's one in Santa Cruz. Dr. Sarah Tanza oh, really? uh, has a, her website is Pelvic Potential, I think. But she does a lot of work around that. She's had two babies and specifically works around pelvic floor health. And I know that they're, yeah. there's, they're all over. But it's, I've recommended her and, and that kind of work to so many people, too. Because the general practitioners and, and MD doctors... They don't really know. They don't do it. No, they, yeah, it's not really their specialty. And and this isn't just for folks who have had things, experiences like childbirth, mm-hmm. which can cause pelvic pain, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, about 15 years ago, uh, I injured a disc in my lower back. Mm. And my entire pelvis, actually all the muscles between my belly button and my thighs went into spasm to Mm. try to stabilize Mm. Mm -hmm. and support that. And so uh, this is how I got into uh, uh, becoming a sexological body worker as a practitioner because I couldn't walk, I couldn't stand upright because my pelvis was on lockdown Mm. and I received some pelvic massage sessions and uh, it literally got me walking upright again. From a sexological body worker? Well, the, the... term hadn't yet been developed, but uh, Chester Maynard was uh, one of the folks who developed the modality with Joseph Kramer. Okay. Oh, okay. And so, but it's, so it's, it's it's the same kind of practice, but that, but it it wasn't called sexological body work yet. Okay. Right. But it, uh, it made such a difference for me. Wow. And so this was work on, so this was work around the, the anus, the, the prostate, the. It was, uh, around the, the hips and the whole of the pelvis. So Uh external as well. But also, uh, there are muscles that you can't reach from the outside. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. And, you know, there are uh, some some hip stabilizers and hip rotators that you can only reach through internal work. And, and even separate from those, just like working the muscles of the perineum. Mm, yeah. Yeah, from the, yeah, from the outside. Yeah, there's, yeah. The, the, there's a lot more access when you go internally. Yeah. Go inside. So, so. poop. Yes. <laughs> let's come so, back then. Let's come back. But one thing I wanted to, so I just want to put this out there as we go into this 
this area of um so i was recently interviewed for i don't even know what magazine it was for some online magazine and they're asking about morning sex and uh why people some people love morning sex why, why some people don't love morning sex and it was first a mainstream publication where i knew that if i talked about poop they would not <laughs> take me seriously <laughs> so i didn't include this part and part of me felt like i was cheating myself because i this is a is if I'm being honest, part of the reason why I don't love morning sex is because I'm a morning pooper. And if the, this, if it's like the first thing I do is I have sex and I haven't pooped, it kind of messes up my bowel movement a little bit later on. And I'm being very graphic with everyone, but hey, this is shameless sex, so deal with it. Um, <laughs> I'm working through my poop shame. Uh, so I didn't comment on that there in there. And uh, so I just wanted to to out that if anyone reads that article, no, I left that part out of it. Um, but that's so, you know, for me, if I did wake up, then I pooped, then I could go and have sex. And I probably still wouldn't have anal sex because I just pooped. But <laughs> but it just there's there is uh, a whole process there that um, I understand that uh, aligns with bowel movements. Right. It does. Especially anal sex. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so. Obviously, we need to be a little more careful with hygiene mm-hmm. when it comes to anal play, especially if there's penetration. So a few things. One is uh, I'm a big fan of using gloves mm. because mm-hmm. then, um, so gloves do a few things. One is they they protect the giver's hands, right? There's no bacteria, anything stuck to them. You can just take the gloves off and your hands are clean. But they also smooth out any little edges on your fingernails, hangnails, calluses, that kind of thing. So I'm a big fan of gloves. Uh, You can get them at any drugstore. Go for the nitrile ones, N-I-T-R-I-L-E, nitrile. Which is non-latex, right? Non-latex. A lot of people find that latex makes them feel itchy. Mm -hmm. And the vinyl gloves work fine for cafeteria, like food service Mm -hmm. stuff. But they, they're not snug to the hand, and you'll get little folds that then mm. are, are like little edges, mm. which is not so good. Um, let's see, where was I going with that? Gloves. Oh, yeah, gloves. Mm-hmm. Right, so use gloves. Second tip is put a towel down on the bed, mm-hmm. right? Because then it catches lube, it catches you know, any kind of mess, and then when you're done with sex, fold the towel up toss it in the washing machine and your sheets are nice and clean. Maybe a nice dark colored towel. A dark towel, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so use a towel and never go from anal penetration mm. to vaginal penetration mm-hmm. without washing up first. That's a great way to end up with a bacterial infection. I love how the uh, sex educator and uh, porn star Rain DeGray talks about double dipping. And this doesn't apply to condoms on a penis. You can't put multiple condoms on a penis. It doesn't really work out so well. But if you're using a dildo or gloves on the hands or the, the finger cuts, they can put layers of them on. And then whenever you touch an ass, you just pull a layer off and then you have a hand that is now clean. Yeah. And then, or a condom if it's on a dildo. And then when you go back to the ass and you pull that one off when you're ready to go other places. So you don't, because there's that moment of, what finger did I use? I think yeah. it was this one. So I think I'm going to use this one. And then they forgot it's the wrong one. And now someone has a yeast infection. Right. Or if you're, if you're playing with somebody with a vagina, designate one hand for the ass and mm-hmm. one hand for the vagina. Mm-hmm. Right. Another way to do it. Uh, quick aside, the reason why you don't want to put two condoms on a penis is that they actually have a higher rate of breakage if mm-hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not because of the penis that can 
change in its uh, yeah, in the, its the blood flow. You know, the latex kind of like sticks oh, just, to itself oh, in terms of it okay. breaks faster. Frictiony, yeah, dangerous. And then yeah. on on that note, but we're now I just on the last day for sex piece. Um, anal play, aren't you? Isn't it the? I mean, the STIs. The STIs are is it eighteen times more likely to be passed in, in anal play than vaginal play because that you that's not self lubricating. It's not less elastic. Yeah, the tissue of the rectum is a lot more delicate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's fragile, like the inside of your cheek, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about how easy it is to like accidentally bite the inside of your cheek or you know, have friction. Um, so yeah, STIs are more easily transmitted, mm-hmm. uh, through anal play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're not, um, fluid bonded, then, uh, use those, those safer sex products yeah. should, if, well, harm reduction, whatever you want, but yeah. there are risks involved. But so coming back to the hygiene. I just like um, saying poop. Poop. One more time. <laughs> Poop. There we go. Um, so, so you can also uh, reduce the chances of things getting messy if you rinse out beforehand. We're not talking about a full-on colonic. Mm. Um, I'm talking about like the the amount of water that would fit in a couple of coffee mugs. Mm. Mm-hmm. So not a lot. Um, but having said that, bodies are unpredictable. If you make anal penetration something that you do regularly, sooner or later, shit is going to happen. Shit happens. Right. And there's something really interesting that I have noticed, which is that, you know, not for everybody, but for many people, when they're the givers, they might not mind so much if things get a little messy, but when they're the receivers, they want to be squeaky clean. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like how uh, when I come over to your house, I don't care if you haven't vacuumed. (laughs) But when (laughs) I do. But right when you come over to mine, I vacuum before you show up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just something to be Mm. aware of. But, uh, you know, if you have a towel on the bed and, you know, you're being careful not to transfer anything, uh, it really doesn't have to be a big deal. And, mm-hmm. you know, if things do get a little messy, you know, grab a towel or a washcloth and clean things up. If you don't make it a big deal, if you're just like matter of fact about it, then your partner is going to stay nice and relaxed mm-hmm. about it too. Like, oh, there's some traces there. Cool. Let's jump in the shower. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. No and that's probably a good conversation to have before if you've never had anal sex with this person. It's like, okay, so what if this happens? What are How are we going to feel about it? How are we going to navigate that? Is anyone going to lose their shit, literally that's and figuratively? Yeah. Uh, because if so, maybe anal play isn't for us or maybe we should take certain precautions to so it isn't yeah. that awkward moment moment of someone's freaking out. Yeah. And uh, if you if you are interested in rinsing out, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, there's a lot to know about it, and I know we're short on time, but mm-hmm. if you go to my book's website, prostatepleasureguide.net, uh, in the how-to section, we have an article on how to do enemas. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nice. So, enemas yeah. can be fun. If you've never done an enema before, it's a great it's a great experience. It's fascinating. You should see the look on her face right now. <laughs> I, yeah, that's I'm another not, topic. That's another topic. We won't get too deep into that. I'm having too much fun with this. Yeah, you are. It, you <laughs> know, like it, a five it, it never ends. I, I like to say that we wrote the book on prostate play because there was a hole in the market that needed to be filled. <laughs> and you filled a good, it Charlie. Just doesn't stop. You filled it good. Um, so I do want to mention mm-hmm. one other piece, which is 
because I talked about external massage before. I mm-hmm. want to talk about how to get inside. Oh, yeah. And, and this is relevant because if you're going to do something like anal intercourse or pegging, which is using a strap-on on a male partner, mm-hmm. um, you want them to be fully relaxed and open before you insert that penis or that dildo. Mm-hmm. And for most folks, that's going to be two or three fingers. Mm, that's De- as the prep. Right, as yeah. the prep, depending mm-hmm. on the size of your toy. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you've done all of the external touch. Uh, and I said before, don't surprise your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, a great way to find out if they're ready is simply to say, hey, you know, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Do you want my fingers inside you? If you want to bring a little DS game into it, you might say, oh, yeah, I can't wait to slide my fingers inside you, but I want to hear you beg me for it. Mm, I like that. Right? Say pretty please. Mm -hmm. There you go. Got consent and it was hot. Right. You can make consent really hot Mm -hmm. if you want to. Mm -hmm. But okay, so they've said yes, and you've got your glove on your hand. Um, Here's how to get inside. So first, uh, get a little bit more lube. Mm -hmm. Second thing is you're not just going to stick your finger straight in. Instead, what you're going to do is lay your finger flat so that the fingertip is right on the opening. So, for example, um, if somebody was lying down on their stomach, you could place your hand along their butt crack and your fingertip covering the opening of the anus. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? If they're on their... If they're on their back instead, rather than being on their face down, if they're on their back, you can do the same thing, but from the front. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to do is just curl the very little, like the the, the tip of your finger, mm-hmm. um, very gently, and you're going to press into the ring of the anus. So rather than pushing straight into the opening, you're going to very gently press into the ring of the anus. Mm-hmm. And then uh, with a little gentle pressure you might find that either your finger might slide in or you might need to do like a very gentle up and down movement Mm. as it slides in. Now, all of that external massage you were doing before, uh, that was focusing on the external muscle. The internal muscle probably is still pretty snug. And so if you insert your finger, you know, half or three quarters of an inch or for folks... Uh, somewhere that uses a sensible system about a centimeter inside, Mm -hmm. you'll feel your fingertip right up against the inner sphincter. Uh, Now, here's one of the nice things about working with the body is instead of pushing the muscle open, all you're going to do is wiggle your fingertip as if you were tickling the tip of somebody's nose. Mm -hmm. And you kind of tickle the inner sphincter for about 15 to 30 seconds and it's just going to open up. Hmm. And then your finger slides in. Never heard of this magic trick. Yeah, this is my other super secret ninja oh, technique. Oh, everyone gets the secret ninja right? techniques. It's oh awesome. Gosh. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try this on my own ass to, to see what you're talking about. Not right now. Not right. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh wait, right now? Okay. I can get the gloves. I, mean, <laughs> I got the Uber lube. Here we go. <laughs> but um, yeah, that'll work a lot better than just shoving mm-hmm. your finger inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for folks with prostates, you can find the prostate by inserting your f- a finger and then curl the tip towards the belly button. Uh, the prostate is right along the midline. It'll feel like a ripe plum, mm, mm-hmm. and it's about the size of a plum. But for folks with G-spots, uh, you can also access the G-spot through anal penetration. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and that can be a surprisingly fun way to add some extra pleasure to your your anal adventures. Mm-hmm. And, it w- and it would be, I mean, it's in, on a different wall, but it was a similar angle to get that in, as the prostate. Yeah, right? so right. So you insert a finger and curl towards the belly button, mm-hmm. but you have to curl a little bit further, mm-hmm. almost like a full... For a G-spot? For the G-spot. Okay, uh-huh. Yeah. Anally. Anally. Yes, uh-huh. Uh, depending on anatomy, mm-hmm. uh, I actually have a friend who shared with me once that for her, uh, vaginal intercourse just misses her G-spot mm-hmm. with the way her body is mm-hmm. shaped. But anal intercourse, it hits the G-spot on every single stroke. Whoa. Right. So uh, anal, yeah, anal's real good for that one. <laughs> right. So that might be something mm-hmm. really fun to try. Yeah, everybody's different. So to figure out what what works for you. So you were talking about, so you start with the one finger and then if to see if they're really ready for penetration, depending on the size of the toy, it can be around three fingers that are all working together. Exactly. And then if those work well and the muscles nice and relaxed, you can check in with your, the receiver and, or maybe do the DS thing and make them ask you for more. Like, tell me you want my cock when you're ready, you know, (laughs) or my dildo or whatever it is. And then you can move to the, the larger item. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's going to make it a lot easier for, mm. for everybody. And then we won't go too deep into toys. See? I can't say these things without just laughing. Oh, you, I, I'm surprised I've worked in the sex toy industry for so long and I'm still doing that. But with it's sex because toys... because you're actually a 15-year-old. I know, it? <laughs> deep inside. It's so fun. Deep. I keep saying that. Inside. Damn it. <laughs> so for sex toys... Just really quickly, uh, we don't, again, just a little safety precaution is to sex toys need to have a flared base or a flange at the end, a stopper. You think like a pacifier has a stopper on the end so the child can't suck it all the way in their mouth. It's a similar it's thing. It's exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's really easy to lose something inside the anus. And mm-hmm. if that happens, it might mean a trip to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't um, wait three days if it hasn't come out. Go yeah. to the emergency room. And if it does happen to you, you really don't need to lie to the folks at the ER. How, you fell on it? Uh, I <laughs> fell on it while hanging curtains naked. Um, <laughs> they've heard it all before. You'll get better medical care if you're honest with them. But And they know that they know that it was from something else. They yeah. know that it was from anal sex. Yeah, mm-hmm. a friend of mine who uh, is a paramedic says, never do anything you'd be embarrassed to tell the EMTs about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so, they're, they're going, yeah, you're going to have to know. So make sure your toy has a base. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anal play, make sure it's nice and smooth mm-hmm. because a lot of toys have bumps and ridges for the G-spot that don't work well for the anus. Mm-hmm. And then it's really good to use something that is easy to clean. Mm, yeah. uh, my favorite is silicone, hypoallergenic, non-porous, wash it with soap and water and it's clean, or you can put it in a dishwasher or a boiling water for five minutes. Really, really easy, low-maintenance. Um, glass and metal toys are also non-porous, but they're so rigid that, uh, you know, if you are at exactly the right angle, they feel great. And then you move a tiny bit and they're not so comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I like silicone. Yeah. Uh, but if you have one of those jelly toys out there, or if you're not sure what it's made out of, uh, just put a condom on it. Mm, or smell it. And if it smells like plasticky things with a really strong scent, 
Definitely put a condom on or get a new toy because those ones are, they, whatever it smells like, it's emitting that into your body. Yeah. So the best toys don't have a scent. Unless really it don't. was in your ass, now it has a scent. But <laughs> had to, Charlie, had to. 15 year old. <laughs> I'm happy this has been a long business trip. Um, and uh, if you go to Pure Pleasure's website, uh, we have a whole bunch of awesome anal sex toys. Uh, beads and plugs and all the other fun things and our listeners get 15% off if you use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX in all caps at purepleasureshop.com um, do you have some favorite brands you like a Narrows don't you that's prostate yeah. toy yeah I like a Narrows for prostate toy mm-hmm. for uh, for anal play I'm a big fan of both Vixen mm-hmm. Dildos and yes. Tantus yeah mm-hmm. um, different shapes depending yeah. on what you're looking for mm-hmm. and then for harnesses if you are interested in pegging uh, I really like spare parts. They're so good. Because they are machine washable fabric. Mm-hmm. They're nice and soft, really well designed. You know, I, I used to work in the toy industry for many years, and I know that you can tell from the products which companies are owned by people who actually use their own products mm-hmm. because they're just well designed and spare parts mm-hmm. is is one of them. So yeah. check them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're some of the best. Yeah, and they're really cute too. They are. They look sexy on. They give, I would say they have, give you the three things you want harness. They're comfortable. They look sexy, and they keep the toy where you want it. Most other harnesses, they do one or two of those. So yeah, yeah spare parts. It's a good one. All right, Charlie. How can people work with you? They can buy your book. You have the Ultimate Guide to Prostate Play. They can talk about your websites. You see clients online. You see clients in person in Seattle. Tell our listeners more. They probably are like, I want to know more about Charlie. <laughs> so I am very easy to find. Uh, my website is makesexeasy.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have any questions or feedback or anything that you would like to know more about, the contact form on my website goes right into my email inbox. And as a sex and relationship coach, uh, I work with people in person here in Seattle, but also over video. And I have clients all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I offer a free half hour get acquainted call. Uh, so that we can talk about what's going on for you. You can see if I feel like the right fit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would be happy to hear from folks. And then if you are interested, find me on Facebook or Twitter as Charlie Glickman. Mm, And uh, April and I will be recording an intro before this, so we may have already said this, but and you may have heard this in the past, but we've both worked with Charlie as our sex and relationship coaches. April did when... um, I, I, I did before April for... Um, various things I was working on, whether it was uh, when I was single or in a past relationship or this most recent one that just um, that just ended, which you all heard if you've listened to past episodes. Uh, and Charlie has been our coach through some of our hard stuff. And then in April through her divorce. Um, I have another friend that actually saw you. Uh, they, she says hello as well. So um, yeah, we speak very highly about working with Charlie. Obviously, he knows a lot about anal and he's a wonderful sex and relationship coach too. I'm blushing now. Oh, that's sweet. Thanks, Amy. I'm so happy we got to do this in person. Me too. You should come back to Seattle. I will. It's cold up here, though. You like the cold. I do. And it's beautiful. But tell the traffic to get easier, though. I'm high maintenance. I'm from Santa Cruz. Yeah, the traffic (laughs) is pretty bad here. It's pretty bad. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, And just so you know, anal is one of our top listened to episodes. (laughs) So I don't think you can ever have too much anal in terms of podcasts and... And on our website, it's the number one searched word. So I assume that most of you uh, really enjoyed this. 
uh, and at least learn something. And uh, go check out Charlie's website, makesexeasy.com. Check out Charlie's book that he co-authored. It's The Ultimate Guide to Prostate Play. And... Ultimate Guide to Prostate Pleasure. Pleasure. See, I'm going to need that correction. And health, right? Yeah, it's all the things. It's all there. It's all there. Uh, and we love our listeners. We love reading your reviews. Even when you have reviews that are not uh, five stars, we read all of them and we take them all into account. So if you have not reviewed us, uh, go to iTunes and click reviews and you can write a review about us. It helps to make us more searchable. And I think that's it. Uh, we love you and miss you, April. And as April would say, oh, by the way, thank you, Charlie. And as April would say, ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.